Well, good morning and welcome again to worship at Calvary at all of our venues, all of you here in the worship center, all of you over in the chapel, all of you at our Minnetonka campus, and then anyone watching online anywhere else. We're so glad that you have taken the time to worship with us this morning. You know, I think every one of us goes through life seeking approval from other people. Well, at least certain people in our life. We have this need, this desire, this craving within us to have approval and affirmation from others. And I think you see this very clearly in little children. I remember when my kids were small and they would always do this thing, like if they were trying something new, they're at a playground, they're, they're climbing up someone or something, they would look back and they'd wanna see our faces and they would want to see that affirmation and that approval from us. When they got a little bit older and they started out different sports, they'd you know, be on the soccer field or they'd be on the basketball court or it would be during a swim meet, and they would take time and they would scan the crowd until they could find us, their parents, and they would look again for that affirmation and that approval, again, I think all of us are hardwired to need approval from others. I remember when I was in college, I sang in the Concordia College Choir, and our conductor's name was Renee Clausen, who's an internationally famous uh, choir director and also composer. And so, you know, he's kind of a, a big guy to be around, and we always wanted to sing well for him. Well, I remember my senior year, we were on tour down in the southeastern part of the United States, and kind of our biggest concert was we were going to sing for the National Choral Directors Association down in Orlando. And so we went and we sang our program, and it was great, and we had a standing ovation, but, you know, that didn't mean that much to us. It was when we got on the tour bus... And we waited and we waited and then finally Dr. Clausen got on the bus and he got the microphone and we're waiting and we're waiting. And finally he said, I've never been so proud of you all. And that was the affirmation that we were looking for. Now, I think when we even get to be adults, we still crave approval and affirmation, whether it's from our boss or our spouse or even still our parents sometimes. Because again, all of us are hardwired to seek approval from other people. We want to be recognized. We want to be affirmed. Well, this morning I'm excited because we're beginning a new sermon and small group series, which is on the book of Colossians, which is in the New Testament. Colossians is a letter and it follows a few other letters. And so if you're trying to find it in your Bible, what I like to remember is the acronym God's Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. But the easier way to find it is just have the Bible app on your phone and you can just hit the button and be right there. But as we're in the series for the next six weeks, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible or your Bible app with you. I also want to invite you, encourage you to do some reading at home. It's not a super long letter. You can read through it easily in a few days or even one sitting. And so as we are saturated in these words, take the time to dig in and to read at home. Now, this year at Calvary, we've been focusing on being disciples of Jesus. 
And a disciple is simply a follower. And what we've talked about is how Jesus doesn't just call us to believe, all right? It doesn't stop there, but he calls us to actually follow him, which means putting our faith into action. It means walking with him, letting him inform our decision-making and our thinking and our actions. And something we love to say is that we believe following Jesus is a growing experience, That means no matter who you are, no matter what your story is, no matter what your faith journey is like, there's another step that you can take each and every day. We don't get to some point where we graduate or we get to sit back and relax. No, every one of us is called to keep on following Jesus everywhere we go. It's not just reserved for Sunday mornings or you know, maybe tag on a small group meeting or a, another class during the week. No, this is something that should make a difference in our life everywhere we go, every single day. But in order to keep on growing in Jesus, we also need to be rooted in good soil in order to stay healthy and to keep growing in the way that we should. And that really is at the core of the book of Colossians. You see, Colossians is all about staying rooted and growing in Jesus. And here's the main idea. This is what the series is all about, that Jesus is the source of eternal life and the power for living. Now, many, many churches focus on the first part of that statement, but way fewer continue on to the second. Like we're, we're really focused oftentimes on the gift and the promise that we have of heaven. And that's such a great thing that we have this eternal destiny, this promise that God has given us through Jesus. But that's not all there is. He also gives us the power to live our lives, to glorify him, to live lives that further his kingdom. And so that's what we're really going to see each week in the book of Colossians. Now, in this book or this letter, Paul is writing it from prison, and he's writing it to a church that he's never actually visited before. He's never met these people in person, and yet he's getting updates regularly from one of his students who is there pastoring this church. And there are many things that are going really great at this church Uh, the church of the Colossians, but there are also dangerous influences that are also a threat that can easily knock them off course and can pull them away from Jesus. So even though Paul has never met these people in person, he has a tremendous heart for who they are and what they're about. And we see again and again in Paul's letters that he has a heart for anyone who's seeking to grow in faith and who's seeking to share the love of Jesus with other people. And so as Paul begins this letter, he wants the Colossians to know that what they are doing is having a huge impact. So much so that even he in prison has heard about them and what they're doing. He's thankful for the good fruit that is coming in their lives and the difference that they are making for God's kingdom. And he says, because of all these things, he is praying for them continually. Now, Paul typically begins his letters with thanksgiving and prayer. 
And that's what he does in the letter to the Colossians. Now, sometimes when I read Paul's letters, I just wish I could write emails a fraction as well as he is able to write to others. And so Paul begins this letter simply by expressing his thanks and his prayers for this church. So we're going to begin in Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 3. And this is what it says. He says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Now stop there for a moment, because isn't that a great thing to aim for as a church? There are all sorts of different things that churches can be known for. And unfortunately, a lot of times, it's very negative things. But here, he's saying primarily this church is known for their faith in Jesus and for the love that they have for all of God's people. What a great thing. He continues on and he says, the faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. He's saying you're not only having an impact in your local community, but it's actually making a difference throughout the church, the capital C church throughout the entire world. He says, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it, and truly understood God's grace. He says, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the spirit. Now, at this point in the letter, he transitions to talking about a very specific prayer that he has for this church. So we continue on in verse nine. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. And now comes some key words. Anytime you see the words, so that, If you're able to write in your Bible or highlight in your Bible, highlight those words because something big is coming next. He says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Remember, again, we are hardwired for the approval of others and no more so than the approval that can come from God. He's praying for them that they would live a life worthy of God. And not only that, that they would please him in every way. And he doesn't stop there. He continues on to say what this looks like. So at the second part of verse 10, he says, this is bearing fruit in every good work. It's growing in the knowledge of God. It's being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people 
in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, there is a lot of content there. We could spend a lot of time going word by word through all that Paul is communicating. But I want to focus specifically on verse 10 and how he explains that we can live a life worthy of the Lord and how we can please him in every way. You see, that is one of the main concerns that Paul has for this church, but also for all of us. And again, this is something that all of us, no matter who we are, are wired up to crave. Now, many people might try to deny that, or they might try to hide it away. But in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, in the book of Romans in the New Testament, it makes it clear that every person has eternity, a connection to God that has been placed in our hearts. And it means that we are hardwired to crave God's praise, to hear our heavenly father one day say to us, well done, good and faithful servants. But then the question becomes, how in the world do we live that way? How do we structure our lives so that one day we can hear him say those words to us? I mean, it has to be more than just trying to follow a list of rules. It has to be more than just being like a little child, continually looking up, saying, is this good enough? Is this good enough? Well, things especially get out of sync and out of whack in our lives when we end up craving the approval of people instead of the approval of God. Yet this is kind of like a magnetic pull that we all have to deal with. It's exactly what John talks about in his gospel when he talks about our tendency to seek the praise of others instead of God's approval and praise. He says in John 12, 43, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. You know, it's really an important question that we should each consider in our own lives. Like, who are we truly living for? Whose approval are we ultimately seeking? Are we more concerned with earthly praise or with God's? And so Paul is telling the Colossians, I want you to continue to live a life that is pleasing to God. I don't want you to lose your foundation or to get distracted or fooled by things of this world. I want you to live a life that is consistently honoring and pleasing to God. So at the end of your life, you too can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now to the Colossian church that's facing an evil empire that's out to persecute them and kill them for their faith, how are they able to endure so they can hear those words? Well done. How about to us today who probably aren't facing death for our faith, but we might face ridicule and cynicism and competing values? How do we hear well done at the end of our life? Well, at the beginning of verse 10, Paul gives us this list, this way that we can live a life that is pleasing to God. Four things that we can focus on in this crazy broken world as we seek 
to follow Jesus. So let's look at each one of these. First, how to please God. He says, bear fruit in every good work. Bear fruit in every good work. Now, we need to be clear where the source of this comes from. This is where God is at work in and through us. This isn't about us trying harder, getting our act together, trying to just put more effort into it. No, it's allowing God to have his way within us through the spirit. This is about leaning into every opportunity and every situation, looking for the opportunity to point others to God, to the love that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, the thing to remember here is that the bearing of fruit is God's work, but the doing of good is our work. We work together to bear fruit in every good work. This isn't doing good to earn God's favor. This isn't about spiritual brownie points. Remember, we are saved by grace through our faith, and it's a gift from God. His grace is a free gift that he offers to you. And grace is opposed to earning, but grace is not opposed to effort. That means God's grace is so overwhelming, it's so wonderful, it demands a response. This is about responding to this incredible gift that we have been given. This is about saying, God, I'm going to make the most of every opportunity that you place before me. I'm going to put what I claim to believe into action in real ways. There was a study done a number of years ago about how over time, especially through television and the internet and other media, we have access to more information than ever before. In fact, it's more information than we can even process. But one of the effects of all the information we have is that we tend to take less action. The more information the less action. It's actually called the low information action ratio. And I think we sometimes experience this in the Christian life. We come to worship on a Sunday morning. We get involved in a small group. We might take a class. There's all kinds of podcasts and books that we can read. We have access to so much information, but so often we do nothing with it. So Paul praises the Colossians, not just because they have learned the truth, but because they actually have put it into practice. So the Bible encourages us to help the poor, to reach out to the lost, to honor our parents, to encourage our children, to forgive our enemies, to show mercy and compassion to others. And the list could go on and on and on. But we also need to look around at what has been placed in front of us. What are the opportunities that God has given us to live out our faith? What needs are right in front of you? What resources has he gifted you with? How can you help others with what you have? Maybe it means taking a risk and inviting someone to come to worship or to come to your small group and then watch God bear fruit through what you do. Maybe it's taking a risk to serve someone in need. Maybe it's a neighbor 
or a coworker, and then watching it bear fruit. Now, the thing is, we don't always see an immediate return on the good works that we do, but we have a promise that God who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. Number two, how to please God. According to Paul, he says, grow in the knowledge of God. This is all about growing in our knowledge of the heart of God. How often do you sit in his word, reading, listening, being saturated in what he says? Now, when a Jewish child was six years old, a rabbi would put honey in their hand and then invite the child to taste it and would ask the question, well, what does it taste like? And the kid would say, well, it's sweet, or it's amazing, or it's better than Cheerios, or whatever else. And the rabbi would then say, this is what scripture is like. You see, the encouragement is, don't stop meeting with God. Don't stop getting to know him and his heart. Continue to be in his word. Now, it makes me think of when my wife Lexi and I started dating many years ago, and I wanted to get to know her better. I had all sorts of questions I wanted her to answer. You know, what's your favorite this or that? Tell me about that. What about this? And I would drop anything to just spend more time and to get to know her better. But you know, like any relationship, We get busy with other things. We get distracted with life. And it can also go for our relationship with God. The problem is oftentimes we just end up drawing our own conclusions and our own assumptions. We project our own preferences on other people, but also on God. And ultimately, we like to try and create God in our image. There was a church that was nearby, the first church that I served, and they had this huge banner on the side of their building one day, and it was a new series that they were doing called Choose Your Own Theology, which is a really, really bad idea. You know, we all would love to create our own theology, to project our own preferences on God. It's been a temptation throughout all of history. If you go to the Minneapolis Institute of Art and go to the religious art, you'll find so many artists who paint Jesus, paint him in their own image. But really, that's what we all tend to do. We like to create him with our own assumptions and preferences. Now, this is why this is so important Because if we want to be solid in our faith through the ups and downs of life, we have to remember that God is so much more powerful. His ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. And that is what makes him reliable in all of those situations. He has more power and more ability than we do. He's not a glorified version of us. No, he's so much greater than that. And as we get to know his heart, as we trust his promises and know his word, 
It's then that we're able to endure what life throws at us. We can't do it under our own strength and our own power. We need a much more solid foundation. We need an anchor for our soul. And so if you want to please God, you need to grow in the knowledge of God. Well, number three, how we can please God is to endure with patience. Endure with patience. Now, this is like if you've ever planted a small tree in your yard and you have to hook up some guidelines or some support lines to make sure that it's able to grow up strong because we all have those storms in the summer that can come and the wind can easily take out a small tree. You and I are going to face wind and storms in our lives And if we want to please God, Paul is saying we need to endure with patience. But the only way we can do that is what he says at the beginning. He says, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. See, the way that we are able to endure with patience is through his power and his strength. When we yield ourselves to God, he will fill us with his strength and power. Now there's a story about a little boy who was intent on fixing his bike by himself. He watched YouTube videos, he had all the instruction books, he had all the right tools, took his bike apart, and he tried to put it back together and it just wouldn't work. He got so frustrated, he tried again and again and finally he slammed down some of the tools and he said, I give up. There's just nothing I can do to fix my bike. Well, his father overheard him and said, have you asked for my help? And the boy said, no. And the dad said, well, then you haven't done everything you can do. Don't forget the resource that we have with God. We have access to all that is his. And God wants to help us endure to the end. And the only way we can do that is by trusting in him, being strengthened according to his might, not ours. So how do you receive that kind of power? Well, just like that little boy, just have to ask your father. It pleases God when we trust him and we depend on him and we turn to him as our source of strength. Remember, God is for you, and he loves you, and he walks with you, and you are never alone. Now, unfortunately, life doesn't automatically become easier when we become a Christian. Life is hard. It just is. But we can endure patiently when we depend on his power. Well, then fourth and finally, Paul says, how to please God? Joyfully give thanks. Joyfully give thanks. This is about having an attitude of gratitude to, no, no matter what our circumstance is. You see, it's all about our outlook and our perspective. Joy isn't just a feeling. Joy is a command. And as followers of Jesus, we should be the most joyful people on earth. When we remember and we understand what God has done for us, his forgiveness and his grace, 
and his new life that he offers. But you know, this often isn't the reality, right? We often get stuck and we forget all that God has already done. We forget his faithfulness and his creativity. And it's why in the Old Testament, God tells his people, take time to remember what I have done for you. Remember my faithfulness. Remember how I've walked with you through it all. I think all of us need to stop and remember. Remember where we once were and remember where God has brought us. We need to recognize and be reminded of God's love and grace for us. It's why new believers are so much fun to be around because they still have that newfound joy that they found in Jesus. They're still amazed by his grace and they live in that joyful reality. But after a while, all of us tend to forget. We tend to take it for granted. We tend to lose that joy. And so Paul reminds us to be constantly giving thanks. I mean, what if every day you began with thanksgiving? What if every day, regardless of your circumstances, you found a reason to give thanks to God? What if that became the center of your day? When's the last time that you were overwhelmed with joyful thanksgiving? When's the last time you stopped to be thankful even when everything in your life felt awful? So do you want to live a life that's pleasing to God? Do you desire to hear him say, well done? And Paul says, well, this is how you respond to his gift of grace. Make the most of every opportunity to do good and let God bear fruit. Have a desire to know the heart of God. Grow in your knowledge of him each day. Have endurance and patience filled with his strength and his power. And finally, joyfully give thanks every day for what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. So my question for you, church, is how are you doing in these four areas? How are you doing in each one of these things? You know, today, maybe your life feels lifeless and dull. You crave purpose and meaning. Maybe you need to ask God today to help you do good and bear fruit in every situation. Or maybe you need to be reminded of God's goodness and mercy and love, really his heart for you to understand the knowledge of who he is and that he's better than any other thing. Now, maybe you're struggling or suffering or just plain tired out today and you don't feel like you can endure any longer. Maybe you've lost sight of the promise that Jesus is coming again to make all things right. But maybe today you need to be strengthened by his power, the power that only can come from God. Because with his power, you can 
patiently endure everything life throws at you. Or maybe today you're experiencing bitterness and resentment and you need a dose of the joy of the Lord, remembering what he's done and what he promises to do. So church, Jesus has invited you and me into a relationship. And this isn't a disconnected, distant relationship. No, this is a close, personal, dynamic relationship where our faith in him makes a difference in every part of our life, where we're rooted in him and we're growing in him. And he promises to give us everything that we need so that we can live a life that's pleasing to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift of your word, which has been handed down generation after generation. God, we thank you for the witness of the Colossian church and for Paul's encouragement and letter to them. God, we're thankful for the truths that you have shown us of how we can live a life that's pleasing to you. That it's not just about us trying to figure it out, but it's really us leaning into you, depending on you, being filled with your spirit. And so God, help us to see the opportunities that you put before us this week where we can do good and you can bear fruit. God, help us to continually look to you, to know your heart, to receive your power and strength in whatever storms we might face. God, help us to be thankful for who you are and what you've done and what you promised to do. God, help us to represent you well everywhere we go. Help people to see your everlasting love in our words and in our actions. God, help us to follow you closely every step of the way. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Let's all say together, amen.